I'm happy for us to be together again as the Christ Journey family. I always feel privileged and honored when we gather together in his name. And wherever you're making your connection with us today, one of our physical campuses here in South Florida or uh, Kendall Campus, shout out of love, and then Gables Campus, God bless you. And then the campus right there in your home or wherever you're making your connection online with us today, around the world, across the nation, we're so glad to be with you today especially as we join with uh, millions of people and hundreds of thousands of churches that are praying healing for our land. Uh, We are in such need of healing in our land, news reports daily. And did you know that God desires to bring healing and has made a provision in his word when his temple was dedicated He offered a promise that we can lay hold of today. He said this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will heal their land. God, grant that prayer as we make it in Jesus' name today. Amen? Amen. Now, there was a time in my life when uh, I felt so empty, and the irony was this. I was so full of myself. As a young adult, I was full of myself, but I felt so empty, and uh, I wanted what I wanted, when I wanted it, because I wanted it. It was all about me, and then empty. The irony. Long story short, but then I turned to God, and God brought someone into my life who helped me know how to open my heart and my spirit and my mind to the presence of God. And not only did I feel the lightness of forgiveness wash over my heart that day, but I also felt this new sense of, uh, of filling, of being filled with joy and peace, something and purpose. Later, I came to understand what it means to live every day that way and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I learned that though my moods change and still do, and though my circumstances shift with the changing times, still do, that by God's Spirit, I am fully supplied in Christ for living every day. Would you say that with me wherever you are? By God's Spirit, I am fully supplied in Christ for living every day. Bottom line of this talk, that God, through his spirit, equips, empowers, and he kind of tops off, top off the tank every day by filling us with his spirit. Did you know that it is God's will for your life to be filled with the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ every day? In the series, we've been taking a closer look at places in the New Testament where those words are used, will of God, God's will. And uh, what we've seen is that, um, that we're clearly told what God's will is in specific places of Scripture. Today, our marvelous text is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and following, and here's how it reads. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Yeah, we got that right. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Okay, hold up. There it is. 
You mean God wants me to understand what his will is in my life? Yes. Well, does it make sense he might tell us in the next verse part of what that means? Yeah, verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, the word that means a wasted life. It's the slippery slope to wasting your life, drunkenness. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. In other words, God's will is for your life to be filled with the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus is the one who taught us to pray that God's will be done, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. And this is part of that will. And the words will of God, we saw this as well, they carry with them the sense of best offer. Has anybody ever made you their best offer? God, it's like God is sitting down and saying, now here's my best offer for your best life. Do you want in? And Jesus said, let's pray this way. This is God making his best offer in response to our emptiness, our longings for, uh, for living larger lives. That sense, God's response to that sense in our soul that something is just missing. This is God's answer to that, to our hunger for fulfillment. Physicist uh, Pascal said this one time, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of of every person which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by the creator made known through Jesus Christ. This is what we're talking about. Jesus spoke about this in his ministry. John chapter 7, verse 37. He said this, let, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then John gives us this commentary, verse 38, by this. He meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Jesus wants you to be filled by his Holy Spirit. Just like a riverbed is filled to the full with power and refreshment of living waters. Now, did you know that the United States... Alcohol consumption is up during COVID. This is probably not a surprise. Highest gain in almost 20 years. Why are Americans consuming more alcohol? I don't know. I mean, I have some hunches. Maybe we're looking for comfort. Maybe we're looking for escape. Maybe we just want to numb the pain of uncertainty. And then maybe we just want to overcome boredom of just the same old, same old every day, you know? Substance abuse became part of my life as a young adult. Um, because I just wanted to be cool for my friends. That's how it started. And then I remember it growing into more than that. I was full of myself and empty. I wanted to feel something beyond me. That's why I did it. Something to fill the void inside. And I'm telling you, when I learned how to be filled with the Spirit and how to live in His fullness, that emptiness was replaced by the comfort and presence of God. And I remember thinking this to myself, man, if my friends <laughs> knew about this, then they wouldn't be doing that. Because that was the, the key that unlocked the door for me to be free. Experiencing the promise that Jesus made by his Holy Spirit becoming alive in us for the journey. So today, I want to help us engage by answering five questions core to our understanding of what this means for us. Here's the first one. Who and what 
is the Holy Spirit? And the simple answer is this, the invisible presence of the personal and living God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And that means the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force. May the force know. The Holy Spirit is not the energy of the gathered matter of the universe. No. Jesus taught that the Holy Spirit is a person, a person who communicates and connects with us mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. He's like a close friend. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a human being, but you as a human being made in the image of Almighty God are a spirit with a soul in a body. And God, as spirit, made you so that he could have communion with you, so that you could have union in your spirit, within your soul, in your body. Now, Jesus taught us that Almighty God created matter but not, does not exist as matter. God is spirit, Jesus said, John 4, 24, and his worshipers must worship him. We connect, we find our life energy in worship through spirit and in truth. And it's the Holy Spirit that helps this happen. Which brings us to question number two. What does the Holy Spirit do? And the simple answer there is he's our helper. He helps us out. You ever need a little help from your friends? Um, the original word literally means advocate. That means somebody that comes alongside, somebody that's called to be close beside. He's by your side. He's on your side. Jesus said that I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you. So how does he help us? Well, he's companion. That's where it starts, companion. He is with us always. This is the friend, imagine this, a friend who always gets you, who always understands you, who always loves to be with you, who loves to share your journey through life because this friend knows your story, knows you. How many times have I heard a graduating senior from high school around here when they're saying thank you to those that have made the journey with them say something like this? Oh, and to my friend, fill in the blank, you've always been there for me. Oh, and then there were my leaders in my group, and you're always there for me. You know, people who are, this is the Holy Spirit's delight. His pleasure is to always be there for you. That's what Jesus said. He's going to be with you. He's going to be there for you. Next, he's counselor. So companion, counselor. John 16, 13, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth, when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. That means he's an instructor. He's a tutor who offers counsel to illumine our minds and open our understanding to God's truth. Now, so let me ask you, do you have a favorite teacher from your educational life? Immediately for me, I got Mr. Mabry in fifth grade, big difference in my life. I got Mr. Steele in junior high or middle school, uh, who was a science teacher. I got Linda Newton, who was a communication teacher in college. And then in seminary, there's Dr. Boo Heflin. I mean, just such a tutor, mentor, help in master and doctoral level. Do you have a friend, do you have a teacher that comes to mind, Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is your teacher. The Holy Spirit is your companion. The Holy Spirit is your counselor, your teacher, your guide to counsel you in learning. He's like a private tutor that I'm putting on you to be your continuing education leader through every age and stage as you grow to follow Christ. And Paul, 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, writing to them this letter, he says, we speak, but not in words taught by human wisdom, in words taught by the Spirit. See, God wants to know you in spirit. And so they express spiritual truth in spiritual words. And then he says this, blow your mind, we have the mind of Christ. The experience of mental unity because of spiritual truth. The Holy Spirit makes the mind of Jesus real inside your mind. You are a spirit with a soul in a body, and God wants to make himself alive in there. Now, you've heard this verse, his thoughts are higher than ours. Yes, they are. But guess what? The Holy Spirit brings those thoughts of God right down here where we live, and he puts them in your head. That's his job. He thinks God's thoughts, and you get to think God's thoughts along with God. Counselor. Next, he's our comforter. You ever need comfort? Anybody need comfort? These days, he helps us experience emotional healing, and that brings spiritual wellness. Does that sound good to anybody? That wide open space of salvation we talked about last week says that God enters our pain, enters our hurt. Why? To help us enter what's good about the good news. And the Holy Spirit does that. John 16, 8, Jesus says this, when he comes... When the Holy Spirit comes and becomes real in your life, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the Holy Spirit is guiding us into all truth, and, um, and he does it by convicting. Now, that word can be misleading to those of us listening through English. It simply means this, to convince with compelling evidence. To convince with compelling evidence. What is the Holy Spirit of God trying to convince you of? us of, me of. Well, the first one's a hard one. This is the hard one. He's trying to convince us of our sin. Now, why does that matter? Because I'm telling you, this is something I'm not always eager to face. You know, I'd rather shut my eyes. I'd rather dodge it. I'd rather, they call this denial. And the Holy Spirit of God is trying to help me open my eyes wider to see my need because I'm not always so eager to, to say it or to face it. I don't know how to face it. But the Holy Spirit's job is to help me and you say, you know, I need help here. It's talking about a sense of guilt and moral failure that we don't always want to admit. Now, if that makes you feel defeated, then listen to the other thing he's, supposed, he's trying to convince us of. If we'll pay attention, the evidence is there. The righteousness of God. This is the truth of divine approval. What's the right way to experience the approval of God in the face of my personal failure? Well, we talked about this last week. That was what the whole message is about. It's about the grace of God in salvation. That's the way to divine approval. So the way of grace is the way out of guilt and into fullness. So the Holy Spirit's job, here's the, sh the shorthand for it, he helps us find our way from guilt into grace, and then that convinces us of what? Of judgment. Now, don't get misled by that word. It means verdict. It means decision. So what the Holy Spirit is trying to do, what God is trying to do in our lives is help me see my need and then say, then there's God's solution. Now, what do you want to do about it? He's bringing me to a point of decision. He's saying, this is up to you. Before any sense of final judgment. There's a verdict that must be made. 
So the Holy Spirit, here's the, here's the shorthand again. He makes us aware of our spiritual need and then makes Christ and God's grace so real to us with compelling evidence that we are now brought to a point of decision to say, do you want in? That's why I said this one reminds me of a medical doctor. So the Holy Spirit is like a best friend. He's like a private tutor, and he's like a medical doctor who says, you know, I got this problem, doctor. I don't know what it is. And the doctor says, well, you see that little spot right there on that x-ray? That's, that's the problem. And let me tell you what that is. And then they give you the name. And then they say, and here's my suggested solution. Here's what we can do. And here's what's going to happen if we do that. And then what does the doc say? Now, what do you want to do about it? And then you say, well, if I were your mother, is this what you'd want to do? And then they go, yeah. And then you make your own decision. That's what the Holy Spirit is trying to help us do. To see our need, to see God's solution, and then to say, now what's your verdict? What's your decision? You want in on it? And then he's a coach because the choice is yours. And then he's a coach, though. He's a trainer coach. You know, good to see football back on uh, television yesterday. But he's a trainer that equips us and it encourages us in our spiritual maturity. And as he equips us, he also supplies us with the resources that we need in order to win. And that's the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the energizing of us from the inside out by his Spirit. And then the Spirit of God applies the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus to our internal life so that that lower fallen nature of mine that continues to want to pull me back into the slop and into the mud is crucified with Christ, loses its power, and now God's spirit alive in me by the resurrection of Jesus is living in me a different way. This is what Paul's writing about in Galatians 2.20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. I live now as no longer I. What is he talking about? Oh, I got company. I'm not alone anymore. I got some, somebody's alive in me. Christ is alive in me through the Holy Spirit. And so he's making us, bringing us into a better, deeper knowledge of who Jesus is from the inside out. There's a song that I have brought to your attention before. I want to remind you again today. I'm just a wire that flows with mighty power. I'm just a hose through which his blessings shower. The glove that holds the fist that makes the devil cower. That's all I am. That's all you are. This is our identity in Christ. The Holy Spirit brings the, sh the power, the shower, and then the fist of God to fight on your behalf and overcome the evil strongholds in our life and world. And the Holy Spirit then empowers our witness you will receive power, Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So what am I saying? By God's Spirit, I am fully supplied in Christ for living every day. This is God's best offer. His will for your life is to tap access to what he has already given you for every day. How are you going to do that? Well, he says, I'm with you always. I will resource you always. You will never have less than what you need to face everyday's challenges as companion, counselor, comforter, coach. But <laughs> there's a choice, a decision you've got to make for this to access your life daily. Which brings us to the next question. Question three. What does being filled with the Spirit mean? And the simple answer is this. You just let the Holy Spirit be himself in you. 
Just let him be who he is. Let him be his authentic self. You want to be in an authentic relationship with people, right? He's saying, let God be God inside of you. Now, some people, frankly, we avoid teaching about the Holy Spirit because they associate it with strange behavior. You know, like if you get the Spirit, then he's going to make you do weird things and you'll become a religious fanatic. And then there go all your friends, you know, and so we stay away from it. We think the Holy Spirit. No, I've taught another series, another message at another time on that. This is not me going into that one. But I'm telling you, that's not what this is about. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is about this. It's about you saying, by God's Spirit, I am fully supplied for living every day in Christ. Learning to let the Holy Spirit of Jesus be himself in you. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. You want to get to know Jesus better, you let his Spirit fill you as companion, counselor, comforter, and coach. Here's what Jesus said to those closest to him. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. See, he was going to die, but he said, death is not me leaving. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And then he said this. He said, you know, my sheep know my voice. So I'm going to keep talking to you. Even though you won't hear me audibly, I'm going to keep talking to you. And you will be able to know my voice and then follow me. So the Holy Spirit helps us hear the voice of God and know the shepherd's call. If I were to ask you, how do you recognize the voice of God? Could you tell me how? How do you know it's the voice of God? Well, the Holy Spirit helps us, he says. And then as he does, then you start getting answers to other questions you have about God's will. Like, you know, in daily decision-making, you learn to see and to hear things in your mind because the mind of Christ is becoming present in you. You start responding to promptings and doors open and there's this little nudge that you know you should try to go through that one. And so you learn, you start thinking about that when you pray. You say, Lord, would you show me how to pray? And then he leads you to pray and then you'll see a coincidence happen that was just the thing you prayed for. You know, this is how he starts. So other questions that perhaps you've had as you think about the will of God for your life, you tend to say, well, which school should I go to? What job should I take? What person should I date? Am I supposed to get married? Who should I marry? All those kind of questions fall into this category right here. As you get to know Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit and he whispers promptings into your soul and mind as you're living your life, this is being equipped for the Christ journey. And we get to know him through his word, through daily faith, daily prayer, daily discipleship. How do you sense the Spirit's voice? Well, I'll tell you how it happens for me. It, it, sometimes there'll be a Bible verse involved. It's not unusual at all for a Bible verse to come to mind. I may not remember exactly the chapter and verse, but I'll remember the content and I can go look it up. Sometimes there's an inner tug, just kind of a leaning over here, you know, or, or a thought that just keeps coming back and it doesn't leave me alone. Or sometimes a circumstantial door will open. Like I said, in response perhaps to a prayer that was prayed, maybe not to a prayer that I consciously prayed yet, but then there's this God-sized peace that comes with it. And that gives me confidence to say, well, take a step that direction, see what happens. Other times, there's no peace, and so what that means to me is slow down, you know. Sometimes there's peace, 
but no door opening. What do you do then? Well, you keep trusting. Well, how do you know what to do? Well, it's a walk by faith. That's what it means, a daily walk by faith. I'm trusting, I'm looking for God in the invisible as I listen for the inaudible because his presence is personal in my spirit, in my mind. That's the walk of faith. And that's how you get to know God on your personal journey. This is what Paul meant when he said, pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. That doesn't mean everywhere you go have your eyes closed and your head bowed. It means that your communication is open. You're willing, you're listening, and you're available so that when the prompting comes, you're going to, yeah, I can turn around here. And then Paul says this, don't quench the spirit. That means like, don't do that. When the spirit gives you a prompting, don't put it out. Lean into it. Don't say, well, if I wait, maybe it'll go away. No. Don't quench the spirit. When he's speaking to you, that's the time to respond. So we quench him when we don't do what he moves us to do. And then he says to the Ephesians, he says, now don't grieve the spirit. That's an emotional word. That means that God in you has feelings and can get sad. What would make God sad? Well, when we do things, we know we shouldn't. When we sin on purpose and we rebel against God and say, no, I got this one. And then he goes, oh, man, you know, you're messing with your life here. And you feel the sadness of God over that. So one of the best ways to grow in learning the Spirit's voice, in addition to what I just said, is doing it with other people that are also learning. And that's what group life is about in our church. We, we grow in community together. So if somebody comes up and says, well, I think God is telling me to do this, then other people who know you and love you and will speak the truth with you will say, well, let's talk about it. What does it feel like? How did you sense that? Where did it come from? You know, what's he like? You really think he wants, she, you know. So you got people who are caring about you, who are listening in with you about it. And that matters, you know, and group life is also a place where you can find a mentor in the spirit. Timothy had Paul. Paul had Barnabas. Somebody that you can knock stuff around with in your spiritual journey, a mentor. And then you just ask God to speak to you through their wisdom as well. Why does that matter? Because maybe you've already wondered this. How can I know I'm not just making stuff up in my head? You know, and, and calling it God, right? Or how can I be protected against the influence of a false teacher? Because somebody tells you, oh, God wants you to do this. And they're getting all over it, you know? And then you're feeling like, well, why hadn't he talked to me about it? Because you're trying to listen to his voice so you can recognize his voice, right? Okay, here's three channel markers that I recommend that I practice as well. Number one, the written word of God. The Bible, get to know it. If you're new to the Bible, start with the New Testament. If you're new to the New Testament, start with the Gospels. Because there you're going to learn about Jesus. How, and then always ask God, if you're feeling a prompting from God, and like God's leading me to do something, then ask him to confirm it in your word. You know, just give me a verse or a story that helps me understand, Lord, that you're confirming this in your word. That's why it's important to get to know your Bible so that when the Holy Spirit wants to turn the lights on to a verse, then you've got access to it, okay? And then second, the incarnate word. 
the incarnate word. This is the living Jesus Christ. The, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus is the fullness of God in a body. So if you want to know what God looks like, look at the life of Jesus. You want to know what God does, look at the life of Jesus. That he is the exact representation of the almighty God in a body. So always evaluate every prompting or every leading that somebody wants to give you through Jesus Christ. I remember a young woman coming to me who had a loved one. She wanted to know about who she should marry, and she had a loved one who needed healing. And so she went to a, a conference that was sponsored for miracles and healing. And when she went to the altar, you know, you had to give a certain offering in order to get to the altar. And when she got to the altar and brought her request, she was told by the minister that she needed to give more money if she wanted a healing. And so she was asking me about that. Pastor, what do you think? And I said, did Jesus ever charge money for healings? Okay, there's, there's a clue <laughs> right there. So you get to know Jesus, and then whatever leading somebody's laying on you, you filter it through his written word and then through Jesus. Would Jesus do this? Then if not, then why are you going there? We find and follow Jesus, right? That's why it's so important to learn the Gospels and then be able to be your own filter and cleanse out or filter out the fakes. And then third, the living word of the fruit of God's Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Self-control. Now, so why do I bring that up? Well, when you see the opposite of those, these are the fruit that grows when the Holy Spirit is at work. Now, when you see the opposite of these, fear, anxiety, impatience, selfishness, rudeness, broken promises, self-indulgent, it's probably not from the same tree. So you don't have to eat that fruit. And you can filter it, and you can be recognizing God's voice and take it through these, these checkpoints. Three checkpoints. Number one, does the Bible confirm it? Number two, does Jesus model it? Number three, does it taste like the fruit of the Spirit? Now, quickly, here's question number four. What are the channels downstream through which, if I invite the Holy Spirit to rise in me and flow through me, what are the channels of influence to my world? Where will God be making his presence known through me. And for this, I'm a visual learner, but I'm not an art major. But this is my attempt with my own hand to give you a visual image of what Paul wrote in Ephesians 5 and 6, because Ephesians 5, 18 is where he said, be filled with the Spirit. So what I'm talking about is your life is a container where the whole Spirit of God is alive and is rising from the inside. He doesn't have to get to you from the outside. He's living inside you already. And as you're being filled by faith, then he will rise, and then you'll see spillways rising out of your container. That as he fills you, then he will spill. As living your best life by his fullness. And the spillway, you'll see right here, it flows first into a puddle around the container. That's church. Worship and discipleship, he talks about there. This is group life. This is where we splash around together. That's what we're doing today. But then he says, and it's going to get into you and through you to your marriage. 
It's going to affect the way a husband and a wife love one another. And then it's going to affect the way parents care for their children and respond. And then a little bit further downstream, it's going to affect your work life and the culture in which you find yourself. Now, the culture of the Roman Empire, most all of the labor, all of the work was done by slaves. So when Paul wrote slaves, he was talking about the culture of their day and the way that they did work. Now, thank God that Christian leaders did away in the United Kingdom and in the United States with slave culture, right? But that's what he talks about. So don't get snagged there. But he said the spirit of God flows. Then, you know what? You're going to enter in your cultural warfare. You're going to deal with spiritual enemies. And you're going to have to know, how do I overcome in the face of evil? And then finally, he says, now don't forget to pray for me because I'm in prison right now, but I want to bear a bold witness so that the light of Jesus can shine even in the dark place. That's what the Holy Spirit of God is supposed to be doing with us. One final question. How can you live your life filled with God's Spirit? Jesus said this, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Three parts. Thirsty, come, drink. It's not complicated. It just starts first with an act of self-awareness that says, I'm not satisfied. I'm not full. Actually, I'm thirsty. I'm ready for a change. I need something different. I'm, it's an act of self-awareness that overcomes denial. No, I'm good. No, I'm thirsty. When you come to a point where you say, I'm thirsty, then you're on-ramping. This is the only prerequisite Jesus said that is needed to experience his spirit's fullness. Then you come. I'm thirsty, but you come to Jesus as your source of refreshment and empowerment. Have you done that? Are you doing that now? Because that's where the source flows. Instead of turning to other sources, and there are plenty of others that are hawking their goods, trying to get your attention and fill you up with other stuff so that you miss this stuff. Come to Jesus. This, you must have a come to Jesus moment repeatedly in order to stay filled with the Spirit. And then you drink. It's your choice, but you drink. You lift the cup, you swallow, you believe and you receive, and both of those are done by an act of faith. Now, how do I know the Spirit has filled me? You believe that Jesus is keeping his word by faith. Now, there may be a feeling involved, but listen, don't a feeling and the filling are not the same thing. So... Uh, Now, I've been present when both have happened, and thank God, not just once. It's wonderful. It's thrilling when you feel like the Spirit of God is overflowing inside you. But I would say probably more than not, I am filled with the Spirit, and the feeling comes later because I'm choosing to believe by faith that Jesus is keeping his word. You trust Jesus to keep his word. That's what faith is about. So believing, receiving, and trust... Trust rather than feel. If I will stay true to the trusting, then God will make it real. It's living by faith in what we've just said. But what does real feel like? Well, it feels like the fruit of the Spirit. It feels like peace, like love for people you typically don't love. It feels like kindness that shows up when they don't deserve it. It feels like self-control when that temptation usually takes you down. Now it's like, wait, 
Where's the weed whacker? Because you recognize that those are weeds, not fruit. And in your garden, the Spirit is saying, hey, you need this. And he will help you do that. Why? Because he wants you to be able to say this. By God's Spirit, I am fully supplied in Christ for living every day. One final review. Six acts of living faith that can prime the pump of living water for you. Maybe one of these are where you are right now. How can you experience this in your daily life? Pray daily. Don't wait for Sunday to pray. Pray daily. Start your day with prayer. And then experience what? The sense of his personal, his presence, a personal awareness of the presence of God. That's where it begins. And then reflect upon God's word daily. Why? Because you want to receive mental guidance, the mind of Christ in your mind. And so you're reading his word and allowing him to direct and prompt and remind you. And then pursue goodness. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because we're talking about moral character showing up here as you lean toward truth and toward justice and what's right in your life. And then you can take a step into uh, ministry daily. What will you find there? Spiritual competencies that you didn't realize, but your spiritual gifts are now going to show up because you're doing ministry for somebody else. And then as you demonstrate spiritual competencies, you will have opportunity to practice self-control, love. Fruit of the Spirit will show up. What do we call those? Patience. The practice of kindness, a.k.a. forgiveness. And as you are forgiven and forgive others, then emotional healing has a chance to take place in your soul because you are a spirit with a soul in a body and God is trying to get healing all the way deep in you. And here's the way he does it until finally you're expecting change to happen so that every day when you look in the mirror, you're looking at a little bit different person because from glory to glory, he's changing us. On the inside, though the outward perish, the inner person is renewed day by day. That means you just keep getting younger on the inside. That's God's spirit alive in you. And it's your inheritance in Christ. Would you pray with me? Thank you, God, that in a world as challenging as ours, with so many voices clamoring for our attention, that your spirit still speaks and we can recognize your voice as our shepherd guiding us through. I'm praying for somebody today who has heard you stirring them, felt you prompting them, sensed you leading them, didn't expect it, but now you've done it and they're, they're at a point of recognition. They see their need in a new way. They see your solution in a fresh way, and now they're standing at a moment of decision. May I invite you to say yes to God? Why? He loves you. He is with you. He wants to resource you. He wants to take you into your best life. So brother, sister, maybe you've been away from God for a while, and the Holy Spirit is saying it's time to bring your whole heart home. Do it right now. Just say, Lord, I'm thirsty. And I'm coming to you so that I can drink fresh. And then believe. Don't wait for a feeling. Just say, Lord, I believe you have forgiven me. 
I believe you are filling me and I am available for what you have of me. Maybe this is your first time to respond to a prayer like this, but God wants to bring you into it. Then do exactly what Jesus said. Just tell him you're thirsty. I got needs in my life. I'm not satisfied. Something needs to change. So Jesus, I'm coming to you, and I trust, I believe what you said, and I am making room for you to come into my life. Forgive my sin. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit and lead me as I turn away from myself to discover my truest self in you. And we give you thanks for hearing this prayer as we make it in your name.